They say Saturdays are for wrestling, and you've tuned into the right place because this is marking out the day's weekend warriors as we cover WCW Saturday Night and WWF Superstars, a precursor to the Monday Night Wars. I'm your host, Dave, or one of your hosts, Dave Rosenbluth, along with the other half of the hosting squad, the brainchild of the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, my man, Kobe Naito. What's going on, dude? Thinking, thinking, uh, doing wrestling stuff, you know, just mm, obsessing about wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. Obsessing basically. about wrestling. I like that. That should, that, that, we're going to make that a t-shirt. <laughs> we're going to make that a t-shirt. Yes. Retromania Pro Wrestling Another Podcast one. Network. We are obsessing about wrestling. Yes. It's May 30th, man. Uh, you ready for this day? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, it's a long month. It is. It is. It was a very long month, but it was a good one. And I feel like we're starting to get a groove um, when it comes to these shows. And we're really starting to see things pick up on both ends between Saturday night and WWF superstars from the uh, the spring of 1992. And I'm looking forward to recapping this one. Agreed. Agreed. Um, this one flew by for me. Um, as much as we talk about the length of WCW sometimes... It was an hour and 30 minutes on this episode yep. to jump ahead, but it breezed by. I mean, we're, we're going to breeze by this episode because today, on the squared circle of life, nobody died. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Amen. That Amen. Is, yeah. Amen. The squared circle of life where we visit the deaths and the births of people who have affected the wrestling business. Or been a part of the wrestling business in some way, and um, let let's get into it. Yeah, let's do this. May thirtieth, um, marking out the days. Weekend Warriors edition. This is episode six. It's awesome. Uh, I I I I'm I'm happy to join you every week, Dave, as we get into this. Um, you know we. We have everything running down on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and over on your station at Kicking Out at Two. You want to let everybody know what's going on at Kicking Out at Two? Yeah. Last week, um, this week, and maybe next week. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, you can find us over on uh, the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean, Kicking Out at Two, uh, where last week we dropped the, uh, the the Owen Hart tribute show, paying homage to the King of Hearts. Uh, got a lot of positive feedback from that, um, a, a, a good number of downloads, not only on the SoundCloud feed, but as well as on the um, the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network feed over on Podbean. Uh, very appreciative of everyone tuning in, listening to that. I, like I said, I don't normally yes, indeed. I don't normally toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot it with this one because I was very proud of that uh, my, my work done on that show, as well as my brother. Now I will interrupt you right now yeah. just for that because that was a great episode, and I pimped it out on last week's um, episode of Weekend Warriors. But again, I listened to it, you know, twice actually. Because wow. I listen to our stuff while we edit it, and then I uh, post it, and then I listen to it again. So I usually listen to our stuff about three or four times, which is obsessive compulsive, but whatever. Obsessing with um, wrestling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was great, man. No, I loved cool. it. I appreciate you and that. You, you and your brother's insight on Owen Hart's career, his trajectory throughout, 
and um, the memories, everything, the highlights. It was great. I really recommend it. I appreciate um, that, man. It was a great episode. And I know that Mohol Radio liked it, too, and the guys over there, wow. uh, they enjoyed that as well. Very cool. So, I appreciate yeah. that. I, I, I appreciate anyone that takes the time to listen to it. And, uh, you know, I, I also appreciate those that listen to this week's show, um, which you can find the same links over at SoundCloud, Retromania, Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. You can also find it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too, as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out too. This week we kind of deviated from the norm a little bit um, with our uh, with our nostalgia format. We ditched the retro format for one week only, and I decided to cover um, some of the current events, the comings and goings in the wrestling world this week. Um, there were some scheduling conflicts, uh, some things that were circumstances beyond our control. Real life got in the way. We had a holiday weekend, so. Oh my God! Could, Tornadoes too. Yeah, we couldn't link up. You know, Kobe. Kobe originally was going to join me to do the um, the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Wrestle War, nineteen eighty nine main event that the listeners of Kicking Out at Two voted for in the polls on social media. However, um, you know, a lot of different circumstances prevented that from happening. But we're going to get to that soon at some point. It's probably going to be a bonus show on Kicking Out oh, at Two. Uh, but this week, definitely. I just covered. I did a you know quick recap of. Uh, when I attended Money in the Bank, uh, which was you know almost two weeks ago, um, also uh, I did my I gave my thoughts on the AEW Double or Nothing pay per view, uh, as well as uh, the John Moxley interview on the Chris Jericho Talkers Jericho podcast, as well as previewing the upcoming NXT Takeover 25 event, which is set to take place. If you guys are listening to this show when it drops on Saturday, June the first, 2019 then that takeover event will be taking place later this evening. Um, I'll be attending it, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. First NXT show. I've been jealous. I know a lot of people that have gone to NXT shows and are like, you got to go, you got to go. I can't wait to go. I can't wait to like sneak up and attack you and just like DDT you or something. <laughs> or, or... Sorry. No, no. I'm going to be there. I'm sorry. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. No, I wish. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so jealous, man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. It's just this opportunity just but, kind of uh, fell on my lap to go. So I was like, you know what? My wife's going to be in a bridal shower. Um, you know, I'm going to go to NXT. I mean, and she's jealous too because she likes NXT. When she watches it with me, she's like, she's like, they need. It's a good product. Yeah, she's yeah. like, they need to put all those guys on the main roster. I don't know what they're doing up there. <laughs> it's the booking and storytelling, though. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah, so, your wife is probably like just like yeah. I don't watch SmackDown or Raw that much, and yeah, she, does, okay. she and used to watch it religiously are, with yeah. me. She would watch both shows, yeah. um, and then she would watch NXT, and she'd be like, "Why are those guys down there? Why aren't they doing you know stuff on this stuff on the main roster?" Um, you know, she like in the beginning of her relationship, she watched all the shows with me. Now it's just to the point where she'll watch a special event here and there, or if I'll have it on. And she's, you know, doing her own thing, and she might watch it with me, but, like, she doesn't hate it. She's not one of those 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 spouses that, like, you know, hates wrestling, you know? Like, you, you no. have a boyfriend or a husband that loves wrestling. She's not one of those. She'll watch it with me. She's gone to plenty no. of events. So she, she, she enjoys it, but she's not, like, hardcore like I am. Now, do you guys watch the current product together at all, or are you just, like, sporadic with wrestling now? Um... 
just trying to get a sense for like people's views of wrestling now because it's, it's a little different with the appetite of wrestling. It, it, it is sporadic. She doesn't watch it as much. Um, okay. Sometimes, like you know, for if, if it's late at night and I have it on in bed, and uh, she'll you know she's on her phone on Pinterest or something doing whatever. Um, she might turn over and look and see something, and then she'll ask, like, what are they doing with this guy, or what's going on here, or what happened with this person? And I'll give her an gotcha. update, and she might like it, and she might not. I will say, um, when she watched WrestleMania with us, and uh, I had a couple of buddies over, and she watched WrestleMania with us, and um, she almost cried when Kofi won the belt. And she, she, oh yeah, yeah that she, was a great moment. She was though. really happy to see it, and she was just like she got caught up in in the moment. Um, her favorite match that she's watched since I've been with my wife for you know going on six years um, was the Cody Rhodes Gold Dust match against the Shield when the Dusty, tag match when Dusty was in their corner. We watched what a great moment. Yeah, we watched it on pay-per-view. We ordered it in our apartment and had some people over and I remember watching it and she was like she she literally had like as cliche as it sounds like she put her arm up in front of me. She was like, I got chills like that was a moment like she, you know, and she talked every now and then when we talk about wrestling, she'll be like, she be like, man, that Cody, you know, that, that match with Cody and Goldust against the shield. That was a, that was a great match. And so, dude, and it was. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you talk about it on your newest episode because I haven't listened to it fully, but I just posted it on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. But, um, yeah, the match between Cody and Dustin was incredible. Oh, I and the story it, that, that, I that they it. told and the story that they tell with wrestling, that's what wrestling is. Yeah. Like, and I know why your wife was affected by that. Yeah. This is a great time. And I brought this up to you analog or, like, uh, I guess, texting. Uh, we were talking... It, it's it's weird because, um, and we're going off on a tangent, That's but it's okay. Um, we're allowed to. <laughs> yeah. It's our show. Um, it, it's crazy. It's because, like, Ted Turner bought uh, WCW in about 88, uh, late 87, you know, and uh, introduced the um, the new the new game. of wrestling and now it's like it's like 30 years later almost and it's mirroring everything with aew yeah um it's it's fucking crazy yeah it is pretty wild and uh i mean i talked to you know you guys gotta check it out go check it out um you know over over at the retromania pro wrestling podcast network over on podbean i give you my full thoughts on the show um, I, I'll just say this overall. I enjoyed the show. There was some really good stuff. There was some stuff that was, I mean, it was, it was new. It was fresh. It was exciting, but it didn't like blow me away. I will say I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was blown away by the show, but I thought it was a really damn good event. And, uh, yeah, no, overall, I just thought it was a damn good show. And, uh, I get into my thoughts on each, on each match that I, you know, the things I took away from the event. And I definitely do talk at length about Cody and Dustin. Um, I'll go on record saying it was a match of the night. Uh, it was a match I was looking forward to the most. And they 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 exceeded any expectation that was put out there by critics and fans alike. So 
Um, really, really enjoyed that one. Um, and then next week over on Kicking Out at Two, uh, we bring back our Trading Places series as we cover King of the Ring 1993 to 2002. We cover the King of the Ring winners from those years and we flip the results and so for those of you familiar with the trading places concept we take an event and we take the matches on that event we flip the results and we determine the trajectory of those of those individuals in a realistic fashion i would like to say um and see where they land so for instance let's just say for argument's sake in 1994 owen hart was your king of the ring he was the king of hearts Mm -hmm. but what if Razor Ramon won the King of the Ring and it wasn't Owen Hart? What would Razor have done as the King and how far would he have I, gone? I would have, I would have kicked your leg <laughs> out of your leg. Or, or in 1997, Triple H won the King of the Ring. What if Mankind instead won that King of the Ring event instead of Triple H? How far would have the Mankind character taken the throne as King of the Ring? We flip the results of the King of the Ring award winners and the individuals they defeated to become King. We briefly touch upon the history of King of the Ring before 1993 as well as after 2002. I'm only covering the King of the Ring award winners from that 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 time period 93 to 02 because there's so many different king of the rings between you know the 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 series of king of the rings that were from you know the house shows in the old wwf days to then they just and i wish we could see those matches eventually that's what the network needs to do yeah they need to work on stuff like that yeah oh yeah no i'd love i would love to see um the old tito and uh i don't know i guess it was million dollar Man, Ted DiBiase in the, I think the final. DiBiase won one. the first. No, I don't know if DiBiase won the first. One. I know he was one of them, but like, I think the first one was won by Don Morocco, like at a house oh, show. Yeah. I think I could be mistaken, but okay. if I'm also, I could be wrong too. Um, was the original wrestling classic? Was that to determine the king of the ring as well? If I think that was an intercontinental championship. I will have okay. Interesting. Okay, so we'll we'll have to review and we'll dive uh, into that at some point at yeah. a later date. We'll have uh, to correct ourselves too. Yeah, but yeah, you can check that we're coming out up on the fly next week on kicking out or two king of the ring trading places 1993 to 2002 like i said don't cover the whole pay-per-views we don't cover all the king of the rings we just cover the king of the ring award winners from 93 to 02 flip the results and we find out how they would have fared had they not held the throne and become king of the ring so uh that's that for uh, what's going on in the land of kicking out at two kobe update us all on what's going on in the world of the retromania pro wrestling podcast network well, you know as well as I do, Dave Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast can always be found on Podbean and any podcast app. You search Retromania with a W, that's W-R-E-T-R-O-M-A-N-I-A. If you're listening to this right now and you're wondering how to spell it, I mean, I don't know. It's redundant to say it, but we have to. It's part of the plug stuff. Uh, please subscribe, share, like, rate, and review because it helps our network grow. And you can find our network on Facebook as well. Um, searching Retromania with a W. On Facebook, we have a good community there, would you say, Dave? Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Some good memes, some good uh, 
pictures, like highlights and updates on upcoming episodes and everything coming up with the network. It's 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 fun there. Uh, we're gonna start updating that too and linking it with the Twitter account. Uh, that's Twitter at uh, Retromania Pod P O D Retromania with a W again P O D. And then you can write to us as always. If you want to, like, say anything, talk shit, um, I don't care. I mean, I'm good for, like, someone trying to fish me or catfish me, you know? Uh, I'm, a, I'm okay with that. What's your gimmick? Come a, come across me. Um, yeah. Retromaniapodcast at gmail.com if you want to contact us. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy this network that we're building right here. Everything is dying out on the old feeds. So if you're listening to the old feeds, I don't know how you can hear this right now, but uh, they're gone. Yeah, everything's gone. We're right here at Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, and it's on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, anything you can search with Retromania with a W. And coming up soon... I will be filling you guys in on more Gaijin Wrestling Radio Match of the Month. I just uh, dropped the February episode where it was Kenta Kobashi against Big Van Vader for the All Japan Pro Wrestling Triple Crown Championship. It's a fun little episode. It's about 20 minutes where I talk about the history of those guys leading up to that match. And then I dissect the match as it goes on in the background. Um, if you want to watch along, if you want to listen along, just join me there on uh, Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network at Podbean and everything else. And I will be dropping March, April, and May, and June episodes of Gaijin Wrestling Radio throughout the next couple weeks i wanted to space it out i've already done those episodes in the past as i've told you guys but i just want to space it out you know you get overwhelmed with podcasts you don't want to hear too much you might skip over stuff so yeah just stay tuned and you will enjoy the march april and may episodes of gaijin wrestling radio and then coming up soon we will have hawkmania is dead the Follow up after WrestleMania 7. It's the fantasy booked pro wrestling podcast, uh, the most original pro wrestling pro wrestling podcast. Actually, um, it'll be following up after WrestleMania 7, where it was Ric Flair and Sting in the match for the heavyweight championship. Ooh, stuff heating up in WWF. Um, so we will be covering SummerSlam and Survivor Series on the next episode. Stay tuned. And all that can be found on Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network as usual. Dave, let's get into this day finally. All right, man, let's do it. It's May 30th. Nobody died. That's right. The, the squared God. circle of life has a vacancy this week here on kicking out at two, and that's a good thing. Or I'm sorry, on retro on on as a kicking out at two, we're giving each other plugs here. I, I just 
I did a run-in with with my own show. <laughs> I did a run-in with my own show. Jesus Christ, a hostile takeover, brother. Um, no. Hey, dude. Yeah. I, I need to talk to you after this podcast. Know something, brother? That's not gonna work for me, dude. He's talking about his shit on my shit. Yeah, hold on. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get Jimmy on this. Come on, Jimmy Hart. Where you at, brother? <laughs> What you need, Terry? Yeah. Terry, what you need, baby? I got yeah. I got Miller Live Beer and Kids. You come down to Jimmy Hart's Tiki Bar Deck, Daytona Beach, Florida. We got the NFL City Package. Oh, yeah, baby. That's right. Jimmy Hart, baby. Number one, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Dude, he's talking about his brand, goddammit. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Jimmy, I don't think I told you to put your own brand over, brother. He's branding on my brand. You're, disi- How do you you're do a that? disciple of Hulkamania, dude. What are you doing, branding on my brand, brother? I'm going to have to drop the big <laughs> leg on your brand, dude. The big brand. The big brand. What you gonna do when Brandomania runs wild on you? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, let's, so anyhow, uh, Squirt Circle Life, yeah. there's a vacancy that's a good thing on marking out the days. Weekend Warriors. See, I got it right this time. Don't edit that, Indeed. okay? You gotta keep all that shit in there, alright? Because that's what makes this podcast <laughs> course, fun and organic when they know that we fucked up, you know? It's not yes, all dressed up like some of those other podcasts out there. Anyhow, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Speaking of uh, dressed death. up, do you know about like tuxedos, dude? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, go ahead. I just wanted to throw you had to throw that out. There. <laughs> yeah. Yo, men's warehouse. You'll like the way you look. Yeah, I guarantee exactly. it. You're gonna like the way they look. Brother, let me tell you something, dude. I went to the men's warehouse the other day, brother, and I got fitted. I was hanging and banging with that sports coat for 40 days, 40 nights, dude. (laughs) The rental agreement is only... And the little guy from the commercial that looks like the bad guy from the Die Hard movie, he told me he's going to like the way I looked. Yeah. Sting in 92. (laughs) You're going to like the way you look. Woo! Oh, man. Can't wait to get into it. Yeah, I know. Let's when are we going to start uh, this sorry. show? <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Let's right, start man. it. Don't edit, don't edit any of this out either, okay? No. we got to keep it no. all in there. The actual Simbas on this the day. The Simbas. Uh, May 30th, 1955. Jake the Snake Robbins. Jake the Snake Robbins. I'm sorry? Hello? Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm whispering. Oh, you're doing your best low-talking Jake the Snake promo? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. It's it's Jake Roberts, everybody. If you speak What softly, a fucking classic wrestler. People will listen. Tell me what you know about Jake Roberts. Man, Jake the Snake was one of my all-time favorites as a kid, man. Damien and the Snake, the DDT was my favorite finisher. It's now become a... a, a a high spot move or a transition move to get to a high spot. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, Jake is like just growing up as a kid, man. You, I was scared of him, but then like I was so scared of him, I liked him. You know what I mean? He was, yeah, he had that, that presence about him. Yeah. His ability to grab you and, you know, as with that character, it's just, I mean, some of the, some of the best stuff. He's ever done a a brilliant mind in the wrestling business, someone who understood psychology, someone who probably wrote the book on wrestling psychology, Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, 
man, let me think of some of my favorite Jake memories. Um, shit, like the stuff he did with Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan with with his wife Cheryl Roberts. Um, my my the stuff f- with Macho Man. Oh man, I was just yeah, I was just gonna say the stuff with Macho Man with the snake, the cobra, and you know attacking Macho Man with the King Cobra, then slapping Miss Elizabeth at this Tuesday in Texas. Um, I even yeah. did some of his WCW stuff with Sting, which we're gonna probably be covering later on this year on marking out the Days Weekend Warriors. But man, I can't say enough good about Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, just one of my all-time favorites as a kid, and I'm glad to see that in these last few years, he's really gotten his shit together, um, and, yeah. you know, someone who was was known for his um, his extracurricular activity when it came to the recreational uh, yeah. uh, drugs, but um, he uh, he's gotten his shit together. He's really turned his life around. He does a lot of speaking engagements, comedy shows, uh, c- wrestling conventions. Because he was one of those guys that, like, you know, you just, you kind of had a feeling that, like, you were going to find out, you know, something bad happened to him and he was no longer with us. But, you know, fortunately enough, he got it together and he's, uh, he's, he's keeping busy and, uh, you know, he's, he's staying out of trouble and that's a good thing. So, uh, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts, man, one of the all-time greats, can't, you know, not much more else I could say. Yeah. Um... (laughs) I keep doing the impression of him, but uh, he is he's great, man. He, like you said, he like wrote the book on psychology in the ring as far as being like a devious person and technician and like wearing down an opponent, um, just working a spot over and over again. Uh, this is a guy that it's, it's, you can see he's cold and calculated in the ring. Um, also, real life could have been a victim uh or a product of rape yes uh, yeah oh yeah he's crazy had... life story yeah uh, i mean just fucking insane and towards the end of the career he comes on wwe tv and he does the snake spot one last time with the shield which was awesome and dean ambrose you could tell was in love with that oh yeah um yeah just I, great stuff. But, yeah, I was able to I was able to be in attendance cool. at uh, his Hall of Fame induction. Uh, oh, that's awesome! Orleans, which was really cool. His speech like almost made me cry. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was. Could you hear it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, no, he. he I want to tell you. Yeah, he spoke loud enough. Um, okay. But yeah, it was it was it was awesome to 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 be there to see that because I think a lot of people thought that if they were ever going to induct him in a Hall of Fame, he was not going to be there for it. Um, so it was yeah. it was pretty cool that he was um, a part of that. The um, go check out the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts on Netflix, man. So good. Talk about some heavy stuff, like you said, about his past with his family and the sexual abuse that gone on in his family, the history with his father, and everything in between. Oof, man, like he had a rough life. I'm not saying that, like, you know, there's an excuse for all the bad things he did and how he destroyed his body with all the the the, the shit he put in it with drugs and alcohol. But you know mm. what, man, I'm not I, I'm not saying I don't blame him, but. He had a lot going on. He had a lot going on, and he may not have handled it the best. But shit, man, to go, to live that life, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. 
Yeah, and you look back at his matches, and like even the stuff with Stone Cold in the uh, King of the Ring. Yeah. Me as a child, I was like, maybe Jake could win. Um, watching that like semi live, um, you know, like kind of like a, a little like a week delayed. Yeah. I was like, oh, Jake the Snake might might win the King of the Ring. This is cool. Like he's on his redemption, and that like uh. Having that role for him to be the person who takes the loss to Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Stone Cold Steve Austin skyrockets from there. Um, it's awesome, just a, a an incredible, an incredible career because he influenced so many people and still does to this day. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you could probably see some of the uh, influences. Of Jake the Snake Roberts in the the current incarnation of Bray Wyatt um, on WWE TV, even like an individual like a Luke Harper um, as well. Yes. So I mean, yeah, one of one of the all time greats goes without saying. Jake the Snake Roberts he is happy birthday, my man. Happy birthday to Jake the Snake Roberts. All right, and then last on the birthday list. Born May 30th, 1988. No way. Jose. No way. Jose. No way. Do I know anything else about this guy? Sorry. Yeah, I I mean, don't know. I mean, just watched him on NXT a little bit. He's pretty much done nothing on the main roster. He's just a different, you know. I'm not saying he's not talented, but... He's no way Jose. I mean, they don't. You know, he's a he's a comedy act in WWE now, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's all I got, man. That's all I got when it comes to him. I agree, um, folks. That is the squared circle, the squared circle of life. <laughs> that was better than my rendition a couple weeks ago. Let's. Uh... Let's move on to WWF Superstars, 10 o'clock in the morning, Saturdays, for you guys. And just in time for Dairy Month? What the fuck? Uh, I guess it's... They're going to be milking out the next month of uh, promos, because this episode was filled with a bunch of, like, promotional stuff, you know? It was like a filler episode. It seemed like, like the last WWE few weeks superstars. when when Vince opened up, it was there's all there, it's like a different food group he's promoting. Like there was like a couple yeah. weeks before that, it was like the beef. Now it's like about the dairy. It's like you know, you're making me hungry each week. For Christ's sakes! <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mister Perfect makes some terrible milk puns about Papa Shango in Ultimate Warrior. Which kind of just don't fit in, but I mean, whatever. They're trying to pimp that angle of Papa Shango and Ultimate Warrior right now that's really strong uh, going on these weeks. And speaking of Shango, we get, we're gonna get to see him in action later in this episode, as well as the LOD, Big Boss Man, and the Natural Disasters. Cool. Yeah, loaded loaded show with uh, 
with with the usual suspects in the in the WWF at this time. Mm-hmm. And then out with a crazy pop for the kids. It's the LOD. Ugh, what a rush. <laughs> Everybody's like going crazy in the audience. I don't know if that's like cut up, but uh, it's done pretty well. Yeah. Hawk pushes the opponent that they are about to have out of the ring as he's like trying to get out of the ring to get out of their way. But he's like coked up and probably just like, get the fuck out of here. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Their opponents are Cato, who is Paul Diamond. From the Orient Express. Exactly. And I mixed him up with um, Super Invader last week. (laughs) Yeah, but they're they're very similar. Could you imagine Cato going against the Super Invader? Would Um, be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, that would be, you know, the the world's greatest piss break. (laughs) Yeah. Kato is teaming up with Bruce Mitchell. I guess that's his name. I don't know. These names are not predominant on this episode. Vince says that the LOD get their power from Ico Pro. They load up on this Ico Pro, brother. And, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you sure that's Ico Pro, Vince? Okay. Anyway, we get a picture in picture of the. Beverly Brothers, and they talk about the Legion of Sissies, and the genius says something clever. I don't know, Dave, maybe, I don't know, fill me in. LOD, the paint and spikes might make you look scary, but if you ask Bowen Blake, the only thing that frightens them is my balls so hairy. <laughs> That's what the genius said. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, indeed. Verbatim. Yep. Uh, the LOD make quick work of Bruce and his partner, Sato. And uh, they have a huge demolition, dem- doomsday device on Bruce. Bruce. One, two, three. Yeah, man, he eats it. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's good. Yeah, I mean, it was standard, you know, standard operating procedure. You know, you guys, you know, the Road Warriors were fed, you know, you know, chum. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, any match with them against enhancement talent, it it wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. And yeah. Yeah, them and the Steiners. Oh, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. If you wrestled the Steiners, oh, my God. Man, like, I remember, who was it? I I saw an interview with once. I think it was Foley. I think it was Mick Foley. Foley recalls the time where he was wrestling in WCW, and he would see some of the enhancement guys look at the board, and if they saw that they were wrestling the Steiners, their faces would just, like, drop. Like, they didn't know what to do. They'd be like, oh, my goodness, because they knew they were getting fed to the wolves. Like, not saying that... Now, let me tell you about the math about my spots! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh shit! We gotta figure this out. Yeah, too. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my god! I couldn't believe like Steiner's and LOD. Um, maybe they fought a couple times. I believe uh, they we'll fought get on to Nitro it. once. Yeah, we need to cover that. Yes, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, 
because those are like some guys like uh, it's crazy just to imagine them in the ring together. Yeah, they were like super teams. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, speaking of super things and super teams, we go to Mean Gene, who is still here in the WWF with Update. And he pimps some of that WBF, that super muscle stuff. The uh, magazine that we talked about last week. And we get another recap of the entire Papa Shango and Ultimate Warrior angle where Papa Shango is just laughing and he's like, <laughs> it's just like the cheesiest laugh. Uh, but yeah. I'm going to open up a chain restaurant called uh, Papa Shango's and it's all fried food with so much spice. You have to vomit on everybody afterwards and then your head bleeds like black goo. So, so like if you like, you, if you, if they take your order at the front counter, like, and <laughs> will like the people like they're taking your order, like will like the will the stuff their come, shoes burn? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, but will like that stuff come dripping down their face? Like oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. If they're nervous, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Telltale sign. Yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you get your money back. Will this place have a drive-through? <laughs> Uh, no. no, it's just uh, it's all voodoo. Oh, so okay. you just like think it and it comes. Also, you don't even have to get you don't even have to place your order. You can just walk in the joint and think about it, and then it just magically. Well, you have appears. to place the order to like a voodoo doll to like another thing. Oh, yeah. okay. It gets complicated. We're working it out still. It's right. like in the beta version. Okay, so right. we'll get Perfect. to it. It's yeah. Papa Shango's, everybody. Papa Shango's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> We go to the ring with Brian Brigger. Um, and then Papa Shango comes out. Hey, we just were talking about him. And, uh, yeah. Papa Shango gives him a certain look, says Mr. Perfect. Which, that could be, uh, you know, disguised as something else. But, anyhow, Brian Brigger's... <sighs> the lights go out. All of a sudden, the lights come back on. Brian Brigger's feet are on fire. And he's got the black goo on his face. Dave, let me know what's going on here. Well, I mean, someone had a bad day, clearly, <laughs> um, judging by this. Um, at nine years old, I don't remember yeah. watching this moment, but at nine years old, I mean, it looked pretty intimidating. You know, guy's feet on sure. fire, all that, you know, ooey-gooey stuff dripping out of his face. Um, at 36 years old. Yeah, man, that was some stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's voodoo, so it's like, it's, <laughs> I I always go back to rationalizing it, that, like, you know, if you can believe that Undertaker was dead at one point, then you can buy into this shit. Plain and simple. Yeah, definitely. You know, so, um, but it's definitely, it was definitely a cool looking visual of, like, the feet on fire, and then they turn the lights back on, and he's got all that shit all over him, his face. So. Yeah, not too, uh, not too bad actually. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, it was like it was corny, but at the same time, it was like, oh, it's kind of edgy, I guess. I don't know. Vince McMahon was probably like, oh god, it was different. 
It was different yeah. at that time. They didn't have a character like that that was like, you know, putting voodoo and curses on people and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It was different. Like, I don't, like, I've, I've always said this and I'll continue to say it again. Like, people can say that Papa Shango was, you know, the epitome of wrestle crap or botchamania or whatever the fuck. But, I mean, at, at, in 1992, at nine years old, like, he was intimidating. You know, he, he, he suspended my disbelief with some of the things that he was doing. You know, with the 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 curses that he was putting on the guys, like that stuff was pretty cool. No, I agree. Um, it's it was definitely ahead of the curve for entertainment aspects with wrestling. Oh yeah, for sure. And I honestly, with the with all the hocus pocus stuff that Undertaker does, I would have loved to have seen him and Papa Shango have a little bit of. I think they might have had a few matches here and there, but nothing on like. We'll a, see. Yeah, nothing like on a, on a larger scale. So um, it would have been kind of cool if these two had a, a more sustainable run against each other. But um, with all the you know the dark hocus pocus stuff that they do, but yeah. So yeah, anyhow. they were they were actually friends in real life. Yes, so, uh, yes, they are. BSK. It, it wouldn't surprise me if we get a couple matches down the road. We will see. Let's go to Event Center with Sean Mooney, who's got a bit of a good haircut now going on. He's trimmed up the mullet and everything. He's yeah, he looks a little nice cleaner and, in this. I noticed that, too. Nice and tight. Yeah. Um, he shoots to Tatanka, who finally has a return promo about Rick Martell, who uh, sprayed arrogance in his face and... He's been mocking his heritage, and they met in the squared circle. Tatanka would get his feather back. So uh, Tatanka is working for that heritage and that feather. All right. Cool. Thanks. Uh, The Repo Man then has a promo, and he has the exact same promo from last week. I swear to God, really? it's nothing. I, yeah, it I looks like it, it looks and sounds nothing. I mean, I mean, it's the sound. It sounds the same exact as last week. So, okay. Uh, yeah. I was like, well, shit. I thought I was watching the same show for a second. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not. All right. Well, I'm safe. <laughs> but they saved themselves some times. Uh, yeah, it feels like these last two weeks of these episodes of WWF and WCW, they're like trying to like fill in the stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There was uh yeah, they 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 seem to, they're, they're, like I said, the, in the beginning of this show, the last few weeks of both shows, they had done a really good job of recapping you of is what's going on and kind of keeping the continuity of the story. Uh, flowing yeah. throughout the episode, um, and it was no different with the Tatanka, the Tatanka promo, as um, he was discussing um, his issues with Rick Martel. But Repo Man, uh, I didn't honestly, I didn't, I didn't know that it was the same exact promo. I wonder if it was maybe an accident on their part. Um, they I, s- no, I just think it was filler stuff. I mean, we like the arrogance being sprayed in the eyes of Tatanka was our first episode. That's five, six weeks ago. So, I mean, it's it's a slow burn, man. Yeah, it's just that's the way the time is right now. Yep, yep. Oh, for sure. But not. 
I, I can't complain because they kind of keep it up. I mean, these episodes aren't terrible either. No, You're no. You're getting oh, a 45-minute no. episode of Superstars and then an hour and a half to 45-minute episode of WCW. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we go to a commercial and back from the commercial and in the ring, it's from D.C., Bob, the cat, Bradley, who used to be in uh, WCCW. He's looking thickums now. I think he's been drinking a lot. Um, yeah, he just got really big over the last few weeks because we saw him on the first episode, and he did not look this thick. No, but, that's uh, right. Those five hundred dollar yeah. paydays those job guys got, man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We know where it's Did all you hear about to. that with uh, John Moxley too? Yeah, five hundred dollar payday. That oh, doesn't terrible. surprise me. That doesn't, uh-huh. unfortunately. I mean, yeah. it was a house show. You know, those guys make their real money um, with the licensing, the merchandise, um, television. Yeah, um, royalties. I, yeah, actually, I heard with TV, the the if you're if you if they fly or if they tell you to fly out to TV. And um, and you don't end up working. You don't end up doing anything. They still pay you. They pay you like five, six hundred bucks just to be wow. there. Yeah, that's Bob the Cat Bradley for the year of uh, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, except that five, six hundred bucks went to his beer fund. Uh, <laughs> judging by his look there, against uh, good old uh, good old Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter. Um, yeah, exactly from South Carolina. Yeah. Good old Carolina boys. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing to write home about with this match. Standard match no. for Sarge here, you know. Uh, kind of hyping up, you know, that he's still got some unfinished business with the Mountie. So, yeah, continuing that continuity with the story. Yeah, they have a picture-in-picture picture of the Mountie during the match with him talking about 80,000 watts of electricity. <clears throat> That's going to kill somebody. Um, well, I mean, we got motherfuckers cursing people with voodoo and shit. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm true. I mean, we can't, you know. <laughs> no, it's cool. You can let that guy curse him and he could throw up his fucking brains out all he wants on the doctor and the doctor could no sell it. But let's, you know, let's condemn the Mountie for taking his, his, uh, his, uh, his, his sister's vibrator and trying to fucking, <laughs> trying to fucking electrocute somebody with that fucking thing. Yeah, no big it's deal. pretty good. No big the deal. Mountie. That yeah. gives a whole other word to the Mountie. Oh, thanks. Oh, man. We just Mountie. changed this whole gimmick. Yeah. I didn't borrow my sister's dildo. <laughs> I'm not the Mountie. I'm going to stick it in your bottle. <laughs> you can always run, but you can never hide because I'm the Mountie. My sister always gets her man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You set him up, I knock him down, my friend. All right. <laughs> um, so, Sarge wins with the Cobra Clutch. Nothing to see here. Uh, <laughs> besides the Mountie stuff. Uh, <laughs> then we get Vince pimping the WBF. You want to go through this right now? I mean, <sighs> it, what I found interesting was is that, like, he like, I mean, obviously, he put the same enthusiasm into you know this promo as he's done all the other promos. But like, you know, he, he 
I found it funny. It was like, Gary Stridham defends his WBF championship against, I don't even know who the fucking guy's name was. But... Hey, I get, the script's right there. I mean, the World Bodybuilding Federation blast its cannons off June 13th exclusively on pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gary Stridham defends his WBF championship in the Battle of the Bulging Biceps in the front of the Iron Warrior, Mike Christian, and the Flexing Dutchman, yeah. Barry Dumay, plus a whole rack of U.S. grade A tested prime beef. Call your local cable systems now for the greatest bodybuilding federation event ever. Yeah. What a fucking goof. Pimping all that meat. Grade A American tested prime beef. He's trying to like deflect that steroid shit so bad. Oh, Meanwhile, yeah, sure. Gary Stridum is. He should just be called Gary Steroid. Yeah. Like Gary yeah. Steroid. Yeah. They all they're all they're all bent over waiting to take a needle in the ass. <laughs> Vince walks in. Ready, boys? No, hold on, Mr. Vince. No, 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 no. No, this is my job. No, you get all the fun. You can watch the videos and, and stroke of the cock and the balls, but, you know, I get to put the needle in the butt. Uh, you know. Yeah, the Pat's Pat's pretty silent at this time because the, uh, the other allegations going on about him uh, sexually harassing and sexually assaulting ring boys. So it's a hard time in WWF. Vince sounds very coy after this uh, WBF, like, rah, rah, rah. and all of a sudden we go back to him going, he's like, well, the WBF pay-per-view will be a total package with Lex Luger. Okay. Yeah, that was interesting, too, because if I'm not mistaken, I believe Luger was able to get out of his WCW deal, but he... There was a clause in the contract he wasn't allowed to wrestle for Not compete, yeah. Not compete, but he could still appear on their TV. Yeah. But under the WBF, the bodybuilding. Yeah, so Lex um, Luger is going to be a guest poser, which uh, yeah. he's always been a guest fucking poser in more ways <laughs> than one. But uh, he would wreck his motorcycle later in this year, and that would have the incident where he would transfer to wrestling and all that shit and the WBUF would fail, but yeah, we'll get into it as the weeks go on. So, uh, yeah, the WBF, everybody. Yeah. I, I, you know what? We, we have to find, we, we need to, to find, find that pay-per-view June that 13th. Pay -view. Yeah. Let's cover yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can cover <laughs> it. Oh my God. That's a lot of grade A, American Prime yeah. tested like you beat. Could, all right, so you know what we do? We cover it. You can be Vince. Uh, I'll be Patterson. Oh, please. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, let's find it. and We'll, we'll watch it. We'll cover it. Oh, man. It'll be great. It'll be great. Uh, I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I can't wait. I, I, never thought, I never thought I was going to be able to, <laughs> to cover this event. In all my my time doing this podcast, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Break out now the fucking tanning oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Break out the tanning oil and the, and the banana hammers. Ah. Here we go. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> next up on WWF Superstars, we have Rick Martel coming out, and he's going against Jim Powers, who is still fucking around. Oh, my God. Uh, Rick Martel has a picture-in-picture picture during his own match, which is very arrogant. Uh, but he talks about Tatanka having Tatanka having buffalo breath, and uh, mentions the Trail of Tears again. This is something you would not see at this time in uh, Oh God, no! Twenty nineteen, no. God, no. no. They wouldn't even call him Native American. No, not at you know all. What I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Martel wins with a Boston crab, which why not call it a Baltimore crab because we have better crabs over here. Just saying from experience, you know. know. Yeah, Jimmy Seafood, right? Yes. I mean, everything over here, like the Baltimore crabs. My grandmother went to Ireland and they had it advertised as Baltimore blue crabs. We got we got the best crabs over here, folks. Just saying. Call it a Baltimore crab. I will ha- I will have to make a make a trip out to your neck of the woods to try some of the seafood. Definitely come by anytime, days. and I, I I'll steam them for you. Awesome. I'm a lobster guy. I like lobster. Oh, me too. And king crab legs. Me too. Now, okay. Do you, I know we're going off on tangent again? But do That's you okay. like them? Uh, do you like your lobster meat cold or hot? Be- hot. Okay. Okay. So it's different. So when I went to Maine, it was cold. That's how they, yeah. In Maine, they, the lobster rolls are traditionally served cold. Okay. Um, but I like a hot lobster roll with hot butter. But yeah, Maine lobster rolls are, tradi- are served traditionally cold. And it makes more sense for it to be hot with the hot butter, honestly. Yeah, but I don't mind. I didn't mind the uh, cold with the mayonnaise and the butter. I, I mean, I guess I'll have to try it cold, but I yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I tried I, I, it, and then all of a sudden, a seagull came out of nowhere, kicked my beer onto my uh, lap, and then stole multiple parts of my lobster, and then flew off. <laughs> That was just probably the repo man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see you got a lobster roll over there. Well, what's mine is yours, and what's yours? It's, it's mine too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I got a good, the, the I got a good experience there. Um, yeah. Dis- disguised as the as the seagull. <laughs> let's uh, let's get back into this episode. I know we've been on a tangent, but uh, we're gonna crush it here for the next hour. Yes. Um, we go to Sean Mooney in the event center, and he tosses to the Nasty Boys with Jimmy Hart, and they're having a promo about high energy, and they're going to be coming for high energy. That's actually high energy, <laughs> which Coco said last week. I mean, you know, we got to stick to it. Yeah, uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. The um, it, it's funny, just like Jimmy Hart is the manager of the heels right now, um, and they're transitioning through this phase where we will eventually get Hogan and uh, Ed Leslie uh, teaming up with Jimmy in the later years. Actually, we will cover it coming up later this year, so it's kind of okay. cool. Cool stuff, yeah. Ed Leslie. I, I, who's that Ed Leslie guy? 
Yeah, he's he's got a lot of names and faces, yes and no's okay. and yeah. Gotcha. Yes and no's, N O S E. Oh, okay. <laughs> All see right. What I did there. See yeah, what I did yeah. there. Yeah, that's quite the knee slapper yeah. there, buddy. <laughs> 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 uh, then we go to a promo of Paul Bear with the Undertaker, and they cut a promo on the Berserker, who had attacked him weeks back, which we covered on our show. And the Undertaker says, "You will suffer for your actions. Rest." In hell. In hell? Holy shit. Vince McMahon is like, all right, we're going to be very edgy. A guy's going to vomit. We're going to say hell. It's going to be fucking very 92. <laughs> we are the edge. Yeah. Very yeah. edgy. Um, we go to a commercial and come back. Vince is pimping the Crunch Classics. On Coliseum Home Video, maybe we should cover that as well, because that is around the time period of now. I believe that is on the network. Yes, it is, right now. Yeah, under the Coliseum Home Video. Um, yeah, I, I've watched a few of those. Those are those are those are pretty fun. Yeah, we can do a like little bonus episode. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, we talked about it last week. It's going to be Roddy Piper and uh, Jimmy Hart on the road, which would be weird. But uh, yeah, <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> Come on, baby. Uh, I'm a little nervous. Um, yeah. Uh, then the natural disasters are featured on the cover, but uh, they come out for the next match, going against. Mike the Fury and Dwayne the Gill. Yeah. Money Inc. has a picture-in-picture promo while we have this match, and they tell the natural disasters to stay out of their business. And like I said, Jimmy Hart is their manager, but Jimmy Hart was the manager of the natural disasters previously, and they turned face by getting rid of him. So it's interesting the trajectory of Jimmy Hart throughout this last year. Yeah, he's been all over the place. Um, he was one of those guys that like managed like forty people, mm -hmm. and he was on the show all the time. Mm -hmm. um, between like Earthquake and Typhoon, Dino Bravo, um, the Money Nasty Inc. Boys, yeah, Money Inc., the Mountie, uh, the Mountie's Dildo. <laughs> um, you know, which is he, called he was, the Mount. Yeah. Yeah, the mount. <laughs> Mrs Mrs. Mount. How about that? Mrs. Mount. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sister Mount. How about that? Si sister Mount. Yeah. Cuz it's the Mountie sister, yeah. Yeah, but. Jimmy Hart having an interesting year here though. Yeah, and and it only gets it only gets weirder as the as the as the year goes on. It does. It does. Um in this match, Earthquake and Typhoon squish Mike, and then Dwayne the Gill comes in for a comedy spot. He's like living up to his name years later. Um, everybody laughs at him as he tries to fight off the natural disasters, and then he tries to go for a double clothesline and gets caught with a double clothesline by the natural disasters. Pretty funny stuff, though. Yeah, you know, I mean, the two big guys kind of, you know... In a very comedic manner, you know, bullying the two little guys, but the people are into it. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Earth cake, Earth cake 
Yeah. I bet he wants some <laughs> earth fucking cake. <laughs> I think he's. I think that motherfucker's had a little too much cake. Freud, <laughs> Taking up some of that earth. <laughs> Freud, Freudian slip for me. Take a no. slice out of life. And he slams uh, Mike. And then all of a sudden, Typhoon comes and splashes Mike. One, two, three. Not a bad match. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, the big guy's taking care of the little guy. Moving on in this episode, in the ring we have Dave Roulet. Can I call you that for now on? No? Dave Roulet? <laughs> or how about Dave Roulette? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the yeah. guy, they said Roulet. Uh, they were trying to get it very uh, over, but he did not look like a Roulet. He looked like a, I'm Dave Roulet. Um, he's going to go against the big boss man and Vince says the guy uh, he locked up is definitely out referencing the convict or nails we'll see maybe Um, sidewalk slam by big boss man and he gently rests his hand on Dave Relay's chest and it's like the sensualest thing ever he's just like I want to pet your chest. And then the referee is like, one, two. And he lifts his fucking hand up before the three. But the referee still counts three. Okay. I didn't notice that. Interesting. <laughs> fucking, I know. Just, okay. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, from the crowd, who comes out, Dave? Big boss man. Exactly. <laughs> it's Nails. Uh, Nails comes out and he grabs the nightstick from Big Boss Man's hand and he beats him with it. Oh, he beats the shit out of him. Dude, he knees him in the face. He cuffs him to the top rope and then he wails on the knees of Big Boss Man with the nightstick. Oh my yeah. God, the sound. I know it's piped in, but it sounded like, like it. It fucking like yeah. It sounded like he hit bone. Yes, yeah, yes, for real. Uh, First of all, what's great about this segment was that like it was so so violent for the WWF standards at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just the way that like he was cuffed and he was you know that he was choking him with the nightstick, just continuing to like mercifully beat him. Um, I love the fact that he came out through the crowd. You didn't see a whole lot of that. Um, in the WWF at that time. You didn't see guys jumping out from the railings. Now you see that shit all the time, but you didn't see guys jumping over the railings to get in the ring um, to, to make a debut. No. I thought it was pretty impactful. It was like Scott Hall um, showing up. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Like, but what also I found interesting about this was you kind of talked about it, you know, touched upon it a little bit with the, um, the piped-in um, noises. Um, Originally, if you go back and watch it in the first part of that segment where Nails kind of like beats up Boss Man and he's like, he's, he's, he's talking shit to him. He's like, come on, come on, come on. And then you could kind of hear his voice and it's not as it's it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like this. <laughs> he's got like this like high pitched voice as he's like talking trash to him. Yeah, it, it's so, piped um, in. Definitely. Yeah, so they piped in the voice, but he didn't have that kind of... And I didn't know that until recently. No, same I here. This episode, that. I was like, oh, why'd they focus on that so much? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I was like, I was shocked 
that like you know his his voice had changed um but then as the as the beating took place then they piped in the voice when the camera got closer and he was talking then he could you know boss man you know, yeah then, they then um, you could... they they zoom in and he holds down boss man like his hands behind his back after he broke yeah. the handcuffs off looks like he's about to fucking rape him um he chokes him with the nightstick. Jeez, dude, that's pretty graphic. I know. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And then, well, I mean, we did talk about the Mountie sisters' dildo, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He 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 chokes him with the nightstick around his throat. Then he slaps him in the face in the camel clutch position. And then he kicks him yep. and kicks him and kicks him over and over again. And then that piped-in sound of, "How does it feel, boss man?" Yeah. And uh, it's pretty good. Uh, then we go to like Bossman getting assisted by the agents, and J.J. Dillon is actually one of the agents that come out. Yep. Yeah. I saw that. It's crazy. What that. a crazy time. Yeah. I know. I thought that beating was so. It was severe, its... and Bossman yeah. sold it so well. Oh yeah, and I remember as a kid. Not to kind of go off no, on a little tangent here, but I remember when the magazine came out, they showed pictures of like the boss man, like in his like underwear with like all the bruising from mm. Nails' beat down. And I was just like, oh my God, like he, this, this motherfucker destroyed him. Think about kid, the psychology like, of that though. Like Vince is like, I want to show the brutality of a convict on a police yeah. officer in the ring, sports entertainers. Like it's like. <laughs> Man, that's fucking. That's some deep shit, man. Um, yeah, no, it was it was good for ninety two. Really yeah, was. it's good shit. It's good shit. And it got and it got off. To, it, it helped get that rivalry off to a really good start. It did, and I I was into it. Uh, a lot of people were as a kid too, and I didn't know who Nails was for a long time. Like, I mean, I followed up on this and saw those videotapes, but it was like Nails was like this like elusive character, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he was elusive and then he left through the crowd and we got all that stuff that we talked about. Crazy stuff there. We go to a commercial and come back and I can't even get the name of the enhancement talent here. It's Lance something. I don't know. He's going against the Berserker and Mr. Fuji. Well, Mr. Fuji is not going against him. Mr. Fuji's in the corner of the Berserker Huss. Uh, anyhow. The Berserker kicks this dude right in the face, and then the bell rings. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pretty intense. And then he throws the dude out of the ring, and he wins the match via countout. <laughs> Just crazy stuff here from the Berserker. Yeah. Yeah, Berserker was Berserker was a wild one. As a kid, I never really cared for him, but at the same time, like, the the... And, and it still holds, well, I shouldn't say it still rings true to this day because um, a, a lot of the characters are kind of the same in WWE, but everyone had their own thing. Oh, Individuality yeah. was a big I like thing it in though. wrestling. I love it. I love and so it. do I. I think it's great, too. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but um, we don't see enough of that today. We don't. And uh, I will be previewing Jim Nord, the Berserker, the Barbarian, the... Uh, one of the tag team partners of Bruiser Brody in the upcoming episode of Gaijin Wrestling Radio Match of the Month for March. So stay tuned. 
stay tuned, everybody. All right. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next segment here. It's Sean Mooney in the event center where he tosses to Crush doing a dumb promo about crushing things in the junkyard and I don't know, being yeah, a crush was, addict. Yeah. yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, it was dumb. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter then has a promo. I'm not the Mountie, he says. <laughs> like, trying to sing the song. It was pretty good. I got a laugh out of it. Um, Sergeant Slaughter then says he was crippled for an hour after he got the uh, last shock from the Mountie. And uh, once he gets the next match with him, He'll finish the job on the Mountie. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Vince says, you could be killed by that amount of electricity. Yeah, dude. Oh, about time you fucking admitted that. It's only been fucking six weeks since that motherfucker zapped him. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, when we get in the ring, uh, there's a Cobra Clutch, and there's going to be a snack. Oh, I'm sorry. There's going to be a snap, crackle, and pop says Sergeant Slaughter, who is using licensing terms. Meanwhile, he's licensed out through G.I. Joe, and meanwhile, WWF is licensing him, and it's a licensing thing, you know. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty much. Slogans using slogans using slogans, basically. Hawk slogan. Uh, then we... <laughs> Then we get a promo from the Intercontinental Champion. It's the excellence of execution. It's Bret Hart. And he talks about being back on top. And he'll take on anybody, any place, anywhere, anytime. And Shawn Michaels? Hmm. He could be the next in line. And I've got a lot of respect for you. Shawn and Bret, you guys are going to have a crazy road for the next couple years just letting you know like i said to think it all started here it's so crazy he's his first like challenger like main challenger for like and this is like the time period we didn't really speak about this much let's touch upon it now like bret hart was the intercontinental champion before and he lost the title and uh, that was due to him trying to dispute going to WCW uh, to become a main player over there. And the cards didn't work out. He didn't sign. Um, this is like 1997 all over again, you know? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, <coughs> I mean, let's not, well, you know what? I mean, I guess, I guess I can comment on it. I mean, I've, I've always, I've heard, I've heard different stories over the years when it comes to that situation. Um, I heard that um, his contract came up and that they were, they were planning to sign it, but it just never came to be. And then he had the belt. They had to get it off of him. They still hadn't finished all the terms and the conditions and he 
knew that going in and it wasn't a situation where he was kind of haggling them for money but then i've also heard the same by the same token that um he was looking to get a raise and he had the belt and he didn't imply that he was leaving with it but um they kind of beat him to the punch you know in a sense and took it off him before that could even be a part of the conversation yeah so it's crazy to think like maybe what's the truth here but i think uh, i think more or less brett is a good uh truth teller uh he has more honesty in his stories i mean though he gloats on himself a lot uh there's more honesty in his stories than anybody else's you, you really uh i kind of i'm kind of i'm i'm going to kind of disagree with okay. you on that one um only because, you know, I read his book and I, I enjoyed his book. I read it twice. Um, and you're right. He does gloat about himself a lot. Um, but I feel like he, it seems like if he's not, if, if, if the attention is not on him or you're not praising him or talking about him, then he finds a way to make things about him. So, for instance, like... You know, I should have been in the NWO. They were asking me to be the third guy. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. like, for instance, when Steve Austin was making a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, was, was you know, kind of coming up, Brett claims that he went to Vince and was like, let me work with him. Like, I'll make him into a star. Yeah. You know, like, I could... You know, and then he, I even remember seeing an interview with Brett where he was like, I saw Steve coming before Steve saw himself coming. Like, it, like you know, or he's always, he always kind of puts himself in situations with like even other guys that, ha- that have been successful over the years and been like, you know, well, oh, I saw a lot in him, you know, and all the other guys in the dressing room didn't think he was this or I saw this in him and I told management he needed to need to push this guy you need to do that you know what i mean yeah, like you're, you're absolutely right i a guy who i mean puts himself in the spot to where he makes a decision which a lot of wrestlers do yeah um that's the wrestlers yeah, fair enough forte you know yeah i i will say i think the narrative that brett in in terms of the issues he had with sean in later years in 97 96 97 you know, Sean created a lot of problems for himself. He's even said it publicly by the way he acted and behaved towards others Absolutely. in the locker room. However, Brett has always painted this picture that it was Sean that started it all. Mm-hmm. It was it was all Sean's fault. Yeah. Everything Sean. It was Sean. 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 Like he didn't contribute to any of that bullshit. No, absolutely. You know I mean? Bret Hart was part of the motions and gears in it, all of that. You know, and I and and that's where I think his dishonesty comes in um, into play. I, I don't think he's very honest about his contributions to the issues that he had with Sean or with Vince, even to the point where. Have you ever seen that that greatest rivalries yeah. uh, special with him and Sean oh, yeah. on the network? Oh, yeah. It was a DVD at one point. Yep. Really good stuff. But even you could tell even in that interview that it you didn't feel like he was very compassionate about 
his contributions to the issues. Oh that yeah, I know, Sean. Uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, he had no problem pointing out the things that Sean did that upset him and bothered him, and what Sean contributed to their problems. Right. But in that DVD, in that 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 DVD or that special on the network, he didn't once. I never did like, a you know thing what? wrong. Yeah, it's pretty much that's what it came across like to me. I never did. That's though. what it came across Dave, like to I me. I never did. Yeah. <laughs> pretty okay. much. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Like I no, I, I get it. I mean, that's how Bret Hart is. Um, it's. It, <laughs> It's crazy because that's my favorite wrestler. That's my hero throughout my childhood. And I know your brother has a strong connection with him as well. Oh, yeah. And just like reading the book and like certain things coming out, it's just like, he's kind of a dick. But, uh, okay. I mean, yeah. You know know the show Busted Open on Sirius XM? You never heard of it? I've heard of it, but I don't listen. Okay, um, I don't listen either. I don't have I don't have Sirius, Sirius XM, but you can actually find it now for free on uh, I think it's on Pandora. Yes. Um, anyhow, um, you know I I knew I I I knew Dave Lagreca at one point um, through a mutual friend, and um, during my time on the Ken Reedy show, um, we did a tailgate party at the WrestleMania. Um, at MetLife in 2013 wow. to uh, WrestleMania 29. And we did a big tailgate party for our podcast. We had a good amount of people, probably about 50 people show up. Awesome. It was pretty cool. Um, and the Boston Open guys came because they knew some of the guys that were at the tailgate. And uh, we were just asking a couple, like one of the interns to Busted Open, one of the producers, I should say. His name's Michael Riker. Good guy. Um, we asked them, you know, about the weekend or whatever and, and he said something about it. he's like he goes i used to be a big bret hart guy but my perception of him changed after this weekend and mm. i had said i said really so what happened he goes well we were trying to do interviews at wrestlecon and we approached brett and we asked him if he wanted to do an interview and he said well what are you going to do for me huh. just like that and they were like okay Moving on, and that's that was pretty much the end of it, right? I there. need some cross Basically. promotion. Yeah, I mean, Brett was, you know, well, what are you gonna what do? What the hell me? are you gonna do sort of for thing. me? So these guys um, came in here. They asked me a bunch of like questions, and they were trying to get me to do stuff, and I was just like, <laughs> "What are you gonna do for me?" Yeah, yeah. So uh, other stuff he said too in interviews the way he, just, he makes the, the way he handles someone. himself and the way he buries yeah. people sometimes yeah. i'm just like brett come on man like guy's not even in the conversation yeah. he's still burying motherfuckers you know I, mean, I mean rick was good but he wasn't that good um yeah just i always hated i always hated the argument he made that he would complain about other wrestlers having a routine and having the same ah. matches because last last time i checked Brett used to do the same fucking thing. Of course. Same fucking thing. The same setups for his big high spots and his and his finishers and well, I mean we'll eventually cover more Brett in a bonus episode. Wink wink for yeah. everybody. Yeah. 
So okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll bury him then. <laughs> <laughs> let's do but, that. Yeah, him. Yeah, him and Sean. 19, 1992, This event center. Let's circle it back here because we really went on a tangent. Yeah. Um, they. Uh, yeah, they, you definitely were seeing the. Um, the early stages of uh, a classic rivalry exactly. between these two. It's so crazy just to see this, like, man, fucking five years before the actual, you know, rivalry that gets televised. The yeah, the screw job, everything going into it. I mean, these guys are at the pre the peak of their uh, careers here, and they both recognize it. Bret Hart does not like say Shawn Michaels is shit at all. He's like. I respect you and I want to face you like that type of deal. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy to see how this year goes for Bret Hart and everybody else in the intercontinental division, as well as the WWF heavyweight division. Hmm. Might change up steroids. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> um, <clears throat> Sean Mooney. Then says that uh, we're going to have Brett going against Sean. And Brett has all the ingredients to be the best wrestler. That's like the words, all the tools. But in 1992, it's the ingredients. So Vince is thinking a little Emerald uh, Lagasse. He's like, bam, put, put a little bam into my wrestlers. They got all the ingredients. Holy shit, pal, you've gone to Flavortown. <laughs> exactly. Uh, wrestlers, wrestlers, and and ringers. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, then we go to a preview of next week's episode of WWF Superstars. And who knows what will happen with the interview with Vince McMahon and uh, Papa Shango? Uh, weird. Okay, we'll see what happens, and then we will have an update on the boss man as well and his condition. Interesting episode of WWF Superstars. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, um, I thought there was some solid continuity in terms of uh, the rivalries they were trying to set up. Um, for me, the highlight of this one was that Nails beat down with his debut against Boss Man. I thought beat that the was shit out of him. I thought that was some top top notch stuff right there. That was stuff. That was the kind of stuff that I remembered as a kid watching. That I remembered from watching Superstars. Indeed. Like that was memorable, you know. Indeed, um, that was some good stuff, golden stuff. I think they even like recapped it on like Coliseum home videos or stuff after this, because I remember seeing that. Um, yeah, just good stuff. And the whacking of the yeah. knees and the piped-in sound, it worked. Oh, yeah. It worked. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's jump into 6.05 p.m. Saturday. It's WCW Saturday Night with Jim Roush, everybody. Everybody, Jim Roush. Uh, it's a, it's a two-hour edition. Jesus Christ. We have two-hour editions back-to-back. And we talked about this last week. Like, what's going on with the timing format of this? We don't know yet. Like, I, 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 we have to figure it out. Like, what? why are they doing 45-minute episodes, then two-hour episodes, then, like, yeah. Like, what's going on? Yeah, I'm going to have to Google this, figure it out, and uh, 
get back to you all next week. Yeah, definitely. Um, they recap last week's episode. The end. The main event was the six-man tag team match between the Dangerous, the Dangerous Alliance, and Ricky Steamboat, Nikita Koloff, and Dustin Runnels. And then there was a mishap with the DA. Mm, yeah. And Jim introduces his co-host here. It's going to be Ricky Rackman. Wow. Ricky Rackman, who's from the Headbangers Ball. Headbangers Ball, MTV. Yeah, he's a big fan of wrestling, he says. So, yeah, be cool. Yeah, I mean, when he talked about it, and you'll hear it throughout the course of this, this recap, you could tell he sounded like he was a real fan. He wasn't like all the other co-hosts that they'd have in the last few weeks, like that fucking hillbilly bumpkin from the Country Jam show. Alabama. And then they had yeah, Alabama, whatever. Uh, he didn't know. He didn't know. What, the only good thing he asked was why Rick Rude left the WWF on a WCW show. And that line was probably fed to him. Other than that, all he cared about was fucking plugging his fucking his, his shit-kicking country music show. Then... You had the the football player last week. He was solid. He was okay. He 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 tried, but you know he didn't know dick about fucking right. wrestling. And then Jason um, Hervey. Jason Hervey, yeah. forget about it. That kid, that kid doesn't even have any hair on his dick, let alone knowing dick about wrestling. So, you know, at least Ricky Rackman, you could tell he was a fan. The way he was describing some of the things about the characters and the stories. It, no, it, I it, agree. It, it it made for a good. Uh, guest co-host spot on this week's episode. Yeah, and he actually worked with WCW for years. Um, yeah. So, I mean, good dude. Um, yeah. We get them tossing to the main event promos, which is going to be a two out of three falls match between the great Muda and Brad Armstrong. Ooh, shit. Um, we get the great Muda cutting a promo in Japanese against the Brad Armstrong, and uh, he just cuts his throat and puts a thumbs down. That's all I recognize from that, but yeah. Brad then says he's going to go 100% today against the biggest moment in his career, Great Muda. Ooh, nice. Sounds good. Um, Ricky is a weeb as well. He talks about, I recognize Great Muda from matches in Japan. So uh, he is a wrestling fan. Oh yeah, most certainly. Judging by you know his um, his description of it, like I said earlier, which which makes for a better presentation. We go to a commercial and come back, and it's going to be Greg the Hammer Valentine to go against Larry Santo. Okay, Larry Santo, thank you. Um, uh, tomorrow on the main event show which is, we talked about this, WCW has a lot of programming going on on TBS and Turner Network at the time. Uh, they're going to have a two-hour episode of WCW main event tomorrow night on Sunday. Uh, it'll be Greg the Hammer Valentine going against Ron Simmons. Wow. It's a lot of wrestling. Yeah, they had Saturday night, they had Pro, they had Main Event, they had Power Hour, they had Worldwide, they had so many different shows. Um, 
you know, on their on their networks that um, somebody didn't even know about. Yeah, and they booked <laughs> like storylines continuously or like in canon on those episodes. You know, yeah. Uh, so it was hard to keep up, as we will see in this episode. Um, we get a figure four from Greg the Hammer Valentine onto his opponent Larry, and he wins with the figure four. Meh, meh. Jim says that Cactus Jack is going to be here next week. And the signature at the bottom where it flashes like the name on Cactus Jack as it shows a picture, it says Jumping Jack. So uh, WCW, up, up to their good stuff right now. Jumping Jack. Yes, he was a Jumping Jack because he would bump and jump and fucking fall. Yeah. They should have called him Jumping Jack. Maybe. Jumping Jack. You know. And he could be a part yeah. of. I'd like to fall. Yeah. Trying to do my best Cactus Jack. I I, I can't do it. Good Cactus Jack. Um, I'll need I'll need to come up with some material, but I may I may bring out a Cactus Jack every uh, once in a while. A Jumping Jack, please. A Jumping Jack, yeah. No Thank problem. You. I got you. Uh, then we go to Ricky Rackman and he says he can relate with Cactus Jack. Sure. Sure. You can. Um, we then go to the ring and it's a pre-taped match with Cactus Jack. Okay. Going against Johnny Rich. This match is very long and it's a double arm DDT for the win as Cactus Jack pins Johnny Rich. One, two, three. Saturday, June 20th, Cactus Jack will be going against Sting in a Falls Count Anywhere match anywhere on the Gulf Coast. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is my first introduction to the Falls Count Anywhere uh, stipulation in wrestling with this match with Sting and Cactus Jack from Beach Blast, and like I kind of talked about last week, this is not this match is not for the title. No. Uh, so, um, but I actually was kind of confused in, at first why there's so many Sting had so many obstacles or so many different storylines going on at this time with Vader, with Cactus, with the Dangerous Alliance, but. If you think about it and you rationalize it, he's the champ. He's going to have people coming at him from all different yeah. angles as the champion. So um, it kind of makes sense that, you know, Cactus would be just another guy in Sting's way. Certainly. And we talked about it, too. Like, I like the fact that maybe the guy has to pin the champion or try to become a contender to beat him and then challenge for the championship. But... A new challenger always arises, and that's where we go next in this episode with the storyline as it gets crazier and crazier with WCW. Arn yep. Anderson is announced by Ricky Rackman and uh, Jim Ross. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Arn Anderson, the enforcer. Uh, Arn Anderson is looking slick as shit as he comes out with some white fucking like gator boots. Uh, yeah. uh, jeans, oh, yeah, a fucking button-up tucked in, and a gold chain, uh, gold frame yeah. glasses with a hue on it. I mean, dude looks like a fucking gangster rapper from the early 90s, um, which he is. 
I guess. He's a gangster <laughs> grappler. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there you go, gangster grappler. Yes. Double A, R. Anderson. <laughs> exactly. Um, Ricky asks Arn because Ricky, like you can tell, like you said, he's a fan. He claps for him. He's like, fuck yeah, it's Arn. And he's like, uh, so what's it like stopping to become a tag team wrestler and going for the actual heavyweight championship, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, and going for Sting? And uh, Jim is like, are you mad about the comments made? Like, are you're a utility player, uh, you know, uh, the, all in the tools. You got everything. Uh, and Arn responds perfectly to this. He says, yeah, I've always been a team player and I put myself out there and I got hurt for those reasons. But that was all for the, the purposes of teams. And now I'm looking out for myself. And it's just like perfect. It's great. Um, yeah. So is it going to be Sting and Arn? Yes. Arn is uh, talking about coming for Sting. And he's going to pick off a limb. And he says, um, you, take, you take a table and you pick off a limb and it becomes a three-legged table. And it's no good to anyone. Man. <laughs> Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's a. I think I've heard Arn say that before. Yeah, it's some good um, shit though. You know the promos too, but yeah, no good stuff. And uh, I've always said this to my friends. I've debated wrestling with over the years. Arn Anderson, the greatest wrestler to never wear the world heavyweight championship, and I think he could have been a good world heavyweight champion. I'm not saying he would have had a long run, and he would have been, you know, the the the. You know, the, Not at all, but I think the, we, we've we talked about this on our, our Marking Out the Days, like two-month reign. Right now, they're building him right yeah. now. Like, this is the time Ric Flair is not around. He could have fucking yeah, exactly. beat Sting and had a two-month reign. Yeah. You know, or maybe, maybe, use, maybe use Anderson's victory over Sting in the for the world title is like another catalyst to like continue the breakup of the dangerous alliance, you know, where it's like, you know, Paulie's like, wait a minute, you weren't supposed to win that. Like Rick Rude's supposed to be the world champion. What are you doing? Like that would have been a pretty cool kind of vibe where maybe like Arn Anderson, um, even though he wins the title as a heel, he can kind of hold it as like a badass baby face opposing the dangerous alliance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it could have been awesome. Like, um, it could, could have been a lot of storytelling going on, but, uh, times change in 1992 as we will go on through the years of marking out the days or this year of marking out the days. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We go to a commercial and come back and talks continue about Arn Anderson as the champion, which is pretty cool. Uh, which we just talked about. And then they speak about uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Mm. He comes out. That's Buff Daddy, everybody. Buff Daddy. And his opponent is going to be the enforcer, Arn Anderson, out with Medusa. Wow. And oh, yeah. Arn Mouse, I love pretty boys, which I guess he's like channeling Pat Patterson. Pretty Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> They got pretty mouths. Yeah. 
Uh, this is a long match, but not that bad. Uh, waist lock turned into a spine buster. Ooh, daddy. Arn Anderson beats Mark Daddy. Yeah. Uh, we go to a commercial after that, and we come back with Jim Ross and Ricky Rackman, and they toss to Eric with the DC... Uh, the WCW magazine about Beach Blast, where he pimps uh, Cactus Jack going against Sting in the match. And they recap that again, where Cactus Jack defeated Van Hammer with the uh, assistance of Abdullah the Butcher in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Then they recap Cactus Jack hitting Sting in the back with the chair on WCW Worldwide. Then, Cactus Jack cuts a promo on beating Junkyard Dog, Van Hammer, all these guys that are friends with Sting, and I'm coming for you, Sting! I, I, can't, I wish I could do a fucking good Cactus Jack, because he is, like, unique. Um... It's a good promo. I'm coming for you, Sting. He screams, though, like in between. You know, it's like that squealing, you know? You gotta I'm go. I'm gonna be the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. There you go. And At Beach Blast 92. On the Gulf Coast of Alabama. Falls count anywhere. You're gonna be in a lot of pain. Exactly. Thank you very much. He says Sting is going to be in body parts and will be up and down the Gulf Coast. Up and down the Gulf Coast? Wow. He's going to cut him up into body parts. Thank you. Serial killer from 1992. Cactus Jack. Or better wise, better known as uh, Jumping Jack. Jumping Jack. Jumping Jack Cactus. That should be his new gimmick. Jumping Jack Cactus. I guarantee you, like, Tony Schiavone and everybody tossed to that so many times, and they're like, that's not his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we actually then tossed to Sting in a promo that's good with Sting, uh, which is rare. It's coherent, and it goes well, and it's Sting with the WCW champion chip on his shoulder and he looks like that title is made for him you know this is perfect at this time yeah it's it's kind of similar to like flair with the big gold bell you know or even dusty or like you know the the, the nwa globed bell you know uh the um or for instance even brett with like the the winged eagle yes. wwf championship this champ, this title was like Sting's title. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, that was that was the title he's probably most remembered for. Even though he's worn the big gold belt, like it was during this time period, with you know, him being the top dog in WCW, like he he helped make that belt. Absolutely. Um, Sting then says, "I'm gonna blast you out of the beach." Okay. Cool. Well, he's gonna blast. Cactus Jack or Jumping Jack to where he takes a bump Jack onto the beach. Um, Just make sure you wear sunscreen. 
Then we get an actual preview of the entire card of Beach Blast, June 20th, only on pay-per-view. Mmm, sweet. Next up, we get Jim Ross, and he says, it'll be Steve Austin and uh, Larry Zbysko in a match, and uh, then all of a sudden we flash to a slapping of Paulie dangerously holding the mic, and Larry Zbysko slaps the shit out of him. Um, uh, That came out of nowhere, but okay. Then we get a recap of last week's mishap between the Dangerous Alliance where they lost the main event that we covered in episode 5 of Weekend Warriors. Yes, um, more continuity uh, regarding this, uh, this, what it seems to be, dissension within the Dangerous Alliance. Um, I, I, I kind of dug that they were, that they were, they were staying on top of it and they weren't letting us forget and reminding us um, where they, where they last were as we were getting into this match, because it looked like going into this match, that there was still a chance that Larry Zabisco was going to still be with the dangerous Alliance, even though the match was cited Zabisco Austin and Zabisco had to prove his worth well, to the dangerous. They take Alliance. care of their own laundry. Yeah. We, yeah. And lately, you've been the trash. <laughs> exactly. Good promo from I mean, Paulie. We'll get into it. Uh, yeah, they they start the match out, and that's what happens. Take me into that promo. Um, yeah, basically, Paulie just kind of says to him, like, you know, you've you've made some mistakes, and you know, we all took a vote, and uh, you know, you got to prove your worth in the Dangerous Alliance. You know, this is not personal. This is business. Um, and then Zabisco said, "Well." This isn't business. This is personal. And he slapped the shit out of Heyman. And the place went crazy. They popped big for it. And then you're off to the races. Him and Austin um, starting out, you know, brawling um, out to the outside. Absolutely. And, um, then uh, I thought I thought overall this was a good match. I'm not going to, you know, break it down completely. I'll let you do that. But um, I just thought this was a pretty damn good match. Crowd was into it, and the crowd bought um, Larry Zabisco as a good guy against the Dangerous Alliance. I agree, too. And for the time of this episode, it was like we got a lot of matches crunched in here, but they felt like long and not like long as far as like, Time-wise, but the uh, the intensity or the storytelling of the match of mm-hmm. each of them were great. Um, yeah, it was just plotted out well. Whoever timed this episode was was really good at what they were doing. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We get some like sleeper holds and some back and forth stuff from Larry and Austin, which is crazy just to see. Steve Austin go against Larry Zbysko, you know, like, yeah, I mean, back then you didn't think, you know, back then it wasn't, you know, I mean, we weren't thinking that, but now, yeah, I mean, yeah, now it's like, yeah, what yeah, the Steve, fuck, legends. Yeah, yeah, I know, and Heyman too, you know, in the mix, like all, you know, yeah, it, all, it's crazy, all, as they say, first ballot Hall of Famers. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, Larry Zabisco locks on a sleeper hold to Austin, and 
Austin just ducks between the first and second rope and they spill onto the apron and to the outside. It's a good spot, but um, it looks dangerous. Uh, then Zabisco works over Steve in the corner with uh, with some punches and then all of a sudden that patented swinging neckbreaker 1-2 no and then a backbreaker on Steve Austin 1-2 no and then Steve hits a short arm clothesline which is nice. Um, good like heavy hitting stuff from Stunning Steve. We talked about this previously. I want to talk about it again. His in-ring style has changed, you know, from the years as he goes on. Right now, he's very yeah. technical. Yep, very technical. Um, you could dare say that he even flew around in the ring, too. Yes. You know, a lot of top rope maneuvers, cross bodies. Uh, I wouldn't call him a high flyer by any means, but he was certainly, um, he certainly, uh, you know, uh, didn't shy from jumping off the top rope and uh and then of course as the years went on with injuries taking place he he adopted more of a brawling style and then of course that you know was incorporated into his character and uh but still moves like the short arm clothesline could have been used in that but he never did you know it was more like he he just stuck to brawling he didn't go to like kicking and punching yeah yeah it was crazy um, but I think also too that 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 also lends a um, a hand to the the uh, the the effects he was suffering from his neck injury with that stinger from that, that pile driver from Owen Hart, and I think you know his matches were shorter, and he also had to kind of take it easy, and you know in a, in a sense work smarter, not harder. Yeah, so true. Um, Austin works a chin lock here, working smarter, not harder on uh larry <laughs> to slow down the pace of the match didn't waste any time no there, he huh, didn't <laughs> uh paulie dangerously is screaming on the outside you're fired you're fired you're fired uh it's just great stuff here from paulie dangerously to larry and the breakup of the dangerous alliance um we get some back and forth from the the guys and then all of a sudden the match breaks down uh, Polly dangerously distracts the referee. Bobby Eaton comes the fuck out of nowhere on the top rope, drops a knee to Larry Zabisco's head. Oh my god! And uh, Steve just rolls him up one, two, three, and we get a victory from the Dangerous Alliance. Wow. Yeah, this was a pretty fun match. Like I said, crowd was really into it, and um. It looks like, you know, things are going to continue between Zabisco and the Dangerous Alliance following this match. Oh, I agree. Um, but I look forward to it as well. Uh, moving on in the show, the NWA Tag Team Tournament with Eric Bischoff and Lance Russell. Wow, Lance Russell making some last appearances here on national television. Eric Bischoff talks about Benoit and Beef Wellington. That's Chris Benoit and Beef Wellington, who are the Canadian teams. And he saw them in real life, and they were in a fight in a parking lot. Wow. Okay. Thanks for that update. Was Chris Benoit killing anybody yet? Okay. Um. I think he was trying to emphasize the team's toughness. toughness. Yes, they're very uh, tough. I get it. Yeah. You're tough, Chris. I get it. 
Um, <laughs> moving on, we get Brian Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger who are going to team up. And we get a promo from Brian Pillman saying one of the most honorable moments in his career was beating Jushin Thunder Liger for the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. But the most honorable moment will be teaming up with him for this tournament. Cool. Look forward to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I As great as they would be as a team, I actually kind of like them against each Me other. Too. They put on the yeah. exci- more exciting matches. And I think that them, their two styles don't mesh. They, they, they mesh well as a team, but against other teams, like... It looked kind of funny seeing them wrestle like Nikita Koloff and somebody like there was Nikita and Ricky Steamboat that they're going to be wrestling. Like it just looks silly, you know. Yeah. Like I, I felt like I felt like you know Liger was one of those you know situations where it was like which one of these is not like the other. Pretty much. You know? Yeah. He should be. In, in, he in, should be running the light heavyweight division. They should have matches. Yeah. Not by fucking that. Scotty Flamingo boy. Yeah. Boy. Shit. Boy. Then we uh, cut to the Malenkos. That's Dean and his brother. Uh, sons Stinko of... Malenko. Yeah, they're the sons of the Professor Boris Malenko, the great Malenko. Yeah, the Malenkos. Anyhow, Dean doesn't say a fucking word at all. At all. He just looks there and doesn't even grab his wrist like it hurts. Uh, so it's not normal. He hasn't said anything since then. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Malinkos, they'll be in the tournament. And then all of a sudden, Nikita and Steamboat, they'll team up as well. Steamboat cuts the promo and Nikita flexes. And uh, next week, we'll, si- we'll check out the s- third set of teams. That's the fabulous Freebirds going against the Silver Kings, which one of who just recently passed away in real time. Yeah. Yeah, very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, in the ring, crazy enough, but uh, we, we might see him in the ring coming up on WCW. We will see. Looking forward to it. Yep. All right, last segment here on WCW Saturday night. We go to Jim Ross and Ricky Rackman. Uh, ringside, ready for the main event. Two out of three falls match. It's Brad Armstrong going against the Great Muda. Oh my goodness. It's a good technical match. What did you think of the match before I break it down? I, th- I liked it. I didn't think I was going to like it. Um, but I, I, I think Brad Armstrong is very underrated. And I thought... I always enjoyed Muda, too. Um, he was the first international superstar, like the first Japanese wrestler I ever knew same, of. Same, same. Um, was the great Muda. And so um, I thought their styles worked really well together. Um, Brad, I think, is an all-around great performer. He's kind He kind of reminds me in some ways of Owen Hart. He can he can fly. He can brawl. He can technically wrestle. Um, and then Muda, you know, is a bit of a striker, but a flyer as well. Um, I thought, I thought the match worked. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. And I liked that. um, They let the light heavyweight division, I guess you could say, because Brad Armstrong is part of the light heavyweight division main event, a Saturday night, you know, WCW Saturday night. Yes. 
but like you said, this match like took me by surprise because I was like, ah, oh, man, I, I, last week I was like, oh, it's going to be a short match and Brad's going to win or some shit. It was actually a long match and they built it up um, for two straight falls for the great Muda, which was interesting, you know? Yeah, because normally a, a standard two out of three falls match, you're looking at, you know, they they trade a fall and then you get to the third and deciding fall. But I thought it was I thought it was rather interesting that Muda beat Brad Armstrong two straight falls, um, which maybe that's a telling sign that we might see more of Muda. Um, I would in the hope. coming weeks and months, if you're going to have him win in the main event of your TV show, two straight falls over an established guy like Brad Armstrong. You got to think that there's something bigger planned for him down the line. Yeah, I would hope, um, breaking down this match. Muda is like dropping to his knees and trying to get to Brad Armstrong and they get in an abdominal stretch as Muda holds on to Brad Armstrong. They trade some head scissors back and forth like an American style and then a Japanese style. So it's like some plotting in this match and then more back and forth. And then all of a sudden, uh, Brad gets Muda down, runs to the top rope, goes for a crossbody. One, two, no, jumps up, goes to the other corner, goes for another crossbody, and Muda rolls it over. Muda gets a one, two, no. Wow. Uh, they both get up quick and then Muda cradles Brad one, two, and then Muda gets the one, two, three there. Uh, it's just really quick stuff. Um, the fans actually pop for it. Like you said, he's a ninja, you know, he's very like charismatic at this time. Like people love the face paint, uh, just like the mystery there. And the story being told with Brad Armstrong, it, it's great. He's a good wrestler for storytelling and uh, high, fast-paced spot matches. Um, yep. We go to a commercial and back, and it's the second fall. Muda and Brad Armstrong do a lot of chain wrestling, and Ricky Rackman right now is, like, perfect on the commentary because he's not saying too much. He's not saying, you know, like... Like, oh, just like the guy from Alabama or like we talked about Jason Hervey. Uh, he's adding insight to this match. He's like, man, a guy like uh, a guy like Brad Armstrong, he's been to Japan, too. So he knows just as much moves as Muda does for these martial arts. As Jim Ross keeps saying, and these martial arts, which there's no fucking martial arts being happening at all. It's all wrestling moves, you know? Um I guess he's. I, I, I guess they gotta kind of play up the 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 uh, the the Asian stereotype. Yeah, it's crazy. Muda but ring, Muda you know? is killing it, and you can tell like Ricky Rackman is a fan at the time. And uh, oh yeah, no better way than ever to finish the match. Muda hits a moonsault. One, two, three, two straight fucking falls on Brad Armstrong. Wow, the fans are cheering. Muda. Muda, Muda. And did they ever move towards a Muda and Sting rematch around this time? Because this would have been the prime time for it. I mean, I know they, they feuded around 89 and 90, but I mean, now these guys are at like their fucking peak, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't think they did anything in 92. I could be mistaken, but... Uh, I don't um, think they did anything else ever. Um, Very few and far between. Yeah, nothing nothing of uh, significance that, like, you know, had a long, you know, drawn-out story to it. Yeah, which would have been cool. Uh, but this was uh, interesting enough to have Muda coming up here over brad armstrong and we will see what goes on in the weeks of wcw saturday night and next week on saturday night what's going to happen it's barry windham against arn anderson in a two out of three falls match okay cool sounds good so long folks that's about it for that episode dave what'd you think um if i'm gonna pick a winner I don't know if you've been keeping score, but um, I think Saturday night pulls out the victory again. I think so too. Yeah, I think I think he had a lot more. Um, he had a lot more action. I mean, it was a longer show, but it just breezed by, though. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. It did. Um, I think what helps too is that like they didn't. Even in that episode, they didn't cram a they didn't cram a bunch of different people into no. it. No, you know I think that's what makes it drag out. Is that if you have like all these different guys in it that you know, kind of like well, we gotta get yeah, sometimes. we gotta get this guy, we gotta get that guy, we gotta get yeah. a promo here, we gotta get yeah, yeah. You know, Arden was on twice, but it didn't feel like it was boring each time he was on. You know, the Dangerous Alliance had a you know a solid role on the show with the Zabisco. Um, Anderson match with Paulie dangerously Arn having that match with Bagwell. Um, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where, um, less is more. Um, and we, we kind of saw that in this episode with the, with the, the guys that they used on it. So, um, I'm picking Saturday night for the win. I agree. And I'm going with Saturday night as well. I, uh, I thought about that earlier while I watched these episodes. I watched them back to back as I usually do uh, just to kind of get the feel of the day or, you know, the feel of the vibe of the episodes and running it down with my passion and the notes that I take. Uh, I mean, superstars was fun, but yeah, WCW Saturday night just breezed by a lot smoother and it was just, it had a lot more wrestling too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like not boring wrestling either. It was like it was bad. No, it was bat- fun. It yeah. Was, yeah, it was it was good stuff. Yeah. It was really good. stuff. I agree. Um, well, WCW takes the victory on this week for episode six of the Weekend Warriors. Dave, I look at I look forward to next week. What's going on with next week's episode? Well, we we got Barry and Arn two out of three falls. Um, on WCW Saturday night over on Superstars, we're going to get an update on, uh, you know, or an interview with Papa Shango. Um, and I'm guessing we'll get an update. Oh, yeah, and we will get an update on uh, the big boss man as well. Let me can, let me look through here, look through my notes and see what's see what we got available for Saturday night and Superstars. Give you guys a little bit of a preview here. I think Bret Hart's going to be in action, too. I believe yeah, so. You will see Bret Hart um, and Crush will also be in action as well. So he won't just be crushing things in the junkyard. Oh, damn it. He will also. 
I know. I was really looking forward to like a junkyard brawl between Crush and like a tin can. Like, that would have been like that. That fucking put a lot of goddamn. This week's episode seat, of Crush right is now. kicking the can. Yeah, kick the bucket with Crush next week here on WC. <laughs> w, I mean WWF superstars. And yeah, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, two out of three falls match. DDP is going to be uh, teaming up with Richard Morton Ooh. to take on Nikita Koloff and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, plus Johnny B. Bad, Dustin Rhodes, and so much more on WCW Saturday night. That sounds fun, dude. I look forward to it. As always, I appreciate your help every week going through these course, uh, memories on Saturdays. It's always fun. Yes, because Saturdays are for wrestling. wrestling. Absolutely. Everybody join us on Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Dave, where can we find you at Kicking Out at 2? Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2. Be a member of the Kicking Out at 2 crew by hitting that like button and joining us over on Facebook as well as Twitter. Your membership is included on Twitter. you got to just give us a follow. The handle is at Kicking Out 2. K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number 2. All archived shows are available at SoundCloud.com, our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter, as well as the home, the official home of Kicking Out at 2. Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over at Podbean. And if you search for it, you'll find it on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, and any other podcast platform available. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Weekend Warriors. We will catch you next week. Dave, have a good week. Take care, buddy. Bye.